Jewish audio on Chabad.org. With the help of Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Daf Pei Aleph. We left off on Daf Pei Aleph, Amid Aleph, five lines from the top of the Amit. The Gemara started with a Braisa. Actually, we will learn at the end of today's share that there is an opinion that holds that whatever we are learning was not written in a Braisa, but it was said by a Amaira. But let's start with our Girsa now, that is a Tanun Abanan, that Asara Tanoyim Hisna Yeshua, that there were ten stipulations or ten conditions that Yehoshua made when he divided the land of Eretz Yisrael amongst the twelve Shvatim. And let's quickly review by heart the first five of the ten that we learned at the end of yesterday's year, and each one will be better explained in the Gemara. But the first one is Sheyu Maren Bachayroshen, that every Jew should have the right to pasture his animals in other people's privately owned forests. So obviously, pasturing in someone else's field is Tam Gezela, or Gedeva. But in a forest, with more details, everyone is allowed to allow their animals to pasture there. Number two was that Melaktim Eitzim Besodeseim, that everyone can gather wood from other people's fields. More details soon. Number three, we learned yesterday, Melaktim Asavim, I can gather grass from other people's fields, aside of grass that is in a Tilson field, as we explained yesterday, because grass is good for the Tilson. So if I'm going to take their grass, I'm going to be damaging their Tilson. Tilson is called in English fenugreek, and it's either, we said, either a legume or it's a spice. The fourth that we learned yesterday was that I have the right to cut off shoots off other people's trees as long as I don't damage their tree. I'm cutting off their shoots because I want to plant. And Mishum Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, they wanted me, they wanted everyone to start planting more trees. So we have the right to do it. And the fifth one we learned yesterday was that when you have a newly, a new spring, everyone is allowed to take water from that spring. We'll learn in the Gemara Machlaikis whether people have to pay. If the spring is coming out of, let's say, your field, do I have to pay you? But even if I have to pay you, the point is that everyone has the right to make use of that water. Now, continuing on the fifth line, we are counting these Tanoim, and we are up to what would appear to be number six. We're going to see soon, Hebra, that it's not ten, it's eleven. All of that will be in the Gemara. Number six, that every Jew has the right to fish with a line and hook. That's called mechakin. And we'll see in a moment there are different types of mediums through which we catch fish. The least aggressive one is, you know, the normal what people have in mind today. You're going fishing, you have that rod and the line with the hook in the Sea of Tiveria, which is in the Kinetis, which as we will learn today is in the portion of Naphtali. But every yid can go fishing there. No one should be allowed to spread out some sort of enclosure that are nets on poles, and you put the poles in the yam, and you chop a lot more fish, that even the Bnei Naftali are not allowed to do, because the yam Sasfina, it's either going to stop the boats from traveling there, or it's going to damage the boats from traveling there, so that type of fishing is not allowed. Number seven, the nifnin that everyone has the right to relieve themselves if they have to go to the bathrooms. Then you didn't have what we have today, the public toilets. So everyone is allowed to defecate behind a stone fence. And again, just one little piece of the Gemara later, even though that person is going to take off a stone from the stone fence to clean themselves, 
They're allowed to do that. And even if you have a field that is growing karkoim, which is safron, which is very expensive, and it has a gavaldic, a good odor. So we're, we're, we, we don't say, ah, that you know, going to the bathroom there is going to ruin the odor. We don't say that maybe taking a stone off the fence is going to expose that field. There's going to be a breach in the wall. People can go to the karkoim. You are allowed to. Number eight, we're going to go with the way Rashi interprets. Shvilei Harishus means permissible paths. So Rashi explains that most field owners allow pub, the public to go through paths in their field when it won't damage the produce that's being planted in that field. So there are certain months during the year, you know, you just harvested, or as we'll see later, it's before one of the rains of the season. So most people allowed anyways. Why do I care? You walk through my field, you're not going to be mazik anything. Yeshua made it that everyone should have the right to walk through. Even if there is a exceptional owner that doesn't give it a shoes, you are allowed to walk in everyone else's fields, not stam, as a shortcut to get quicker to the other side. Until the second rain falls, we learned in Tainas, there's a machlekes, a three-way machlekes. What is the date in Eretz Yisrael for the second of the earlier rains? We're going to go with the opinion that it is on the 17th of Mar Cheshvin. From then, the produce begins to sprout, and if people trample on it, it harms it. Then you're not allowed anymore. Number nine in our counting, people who are walking on the public road during the winter when it rains the road becomes muddy and therefore when it starts to dry in the summer not all the roads are flat straight there's bumps on the road there are pegs on the road because when it got wet you know there was little mounds now they got hard and it's difficult to walk so I would have the right to walk off the road even though walking on the sides of the roads is entering the edges of private property. I am allowed to do it because it's very difficult to walk on the roads. And what will be here, L'chuda number 10, is V'hatoya, if someone is lost, Bein hakramim, let's say in a vineyard, the person is allowed to cut his way up and cut his way down. In today's English, it would be you can cut your way out. So you're cutting, you're being mazik other people's property to find your way out. Now obviously you'll have to pay them for the, da- for the nezik. But the Chiddush, as the Gemara will explain, is that if I need to get out of the vineyard, the Chachamim didn't say, go back, go back, and then walk around it. I'm allowed to cut my way out, I, I'll pay for it. But the fact that I have the right to be mazik, that, that's one of the takanas. And now, L'cho'oda, this will be now number 11, that will be the problem. Number 11 would be that an unattended corpse, meaning if someone that we don't know whose relatives is to that person, we don't know who's going to be misasik with that person's burial, you find a corpse, you don't know who the person is, no one is going to bury him, there's a mitzvah on whoever finds that corpse to bury him, that even a koyin that is not allowed to be has a chiyuv, has a mitzvah to bury him, that person acquired his place, meaning that you bury him in the place where you found him, even if you found him on someone's property. Again, all of these things, let's read inside the Rashi. Everyone has so many details. Rashi will be, if you go down the Amid, the first wide line under the Gemara. Rashi divri hamaschal mekaymai, zot rashi mokem 
the second, the, the, the last narrow line, the place where that person was found laying, that place belongs to him. In other words, it's on private property. The owner of the field cannot be ma'akiv. Rambam holds that when this person is found outside the city, if the person is found in the city, you bury the person in the cemetery. The reason why they said outside the city was because if he's outside the city and the person who finds the mace will have a responsibility to spend more time and effort to bring him back to the city and to the cemetery, then it's likely that people will ignore him. The fact that it's easier for the finder to bury him because you can bury him in that place so that's why Yeshua made this takana. And obviously, as we, you know, the Gemara is going to ask, if you counted them the way we counted them, you have 11 tenayim. Why did the Braisa begin? Why did the Maimir Chazal of the Amayra begin? That Asara tenayim, when there is more, all of this in Merz Hashem in the Gemara. Okay, starts the Gemara with number one. The first tenayim. That everyone should have the right to allow their animals to pasture in, in a forest, even if the forest is privately owned. That this takana, this tanai, like all the others, they're limited. They were only said, We're going to learn this the way Rashi explains, Daka refers to the animal. That if I have a behemoth daka, meaning a small animal, a small domesticated animal, a goat or a sheep, and the forest, Rashi Taichas Gasa, has thick trees. So if my animal or my animals that are little are going to go in your forest that has gazunta strong trees, they're not going to be mazik your trees. That is when, that is where I am allowed, even though it's private property, but if it's a small animal, but your trees are also delicate and small. Or if I have a gasa, if my animal is large, even if the forest's trees are also gasa, in other words, there is a likelihood that my trees will be mazik. My animals will be mazik your trees. Ah, then I don't have that permission. And the coach says it of Papa, if my if it's a gasa badaka, then of course, Deloy, I am not allowed to allow my animals to pasture. However, the Chiddush that the, that the Yam Shoshleim speaks out and other Achreinim is that if I am taking my animals into my forest, there even Gasa Bedaka is allowed, which is also a Chiddush. Because you might have thought, Mishum Yishu Yisrael. And as we are going to speak out the fact that I am allowed to gather other people's shoots. I'm taking other people's shoots to plant them. That we want trees to be planted in Eretz Yisrael. So maybe Chazal would not allow me to pasture my behemoth gasa in my forest that has trees that are daka because it might destroy the trees in the forest. That is not a concern. Whether you have a lot of trees or not that many trees in a forest is not, doesn't affect Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. Let's go weiter. This was Tanai number two, that everyone is allowed to gather wood even from other people's fields. Again, says the Gemara, let's limit this tonight. This was only said, only if the wood that I am gathering are prickly or, you know, thorny trees that have very little value, if any, 
to the owner. other woods because it belongs to the owner of the field. And furthermore, even in these prickly shrubs and these thorny little trees, that's only I am allowed to pick your hisme and higme if they are connected to your field. The balasada also benefits from the fact that someone picked some of that wood. Because these shrubs, they take nourishment from the ground. These trees don't produce any fruit. They're prickly trees. So it's Bimezakt in English, a win-win. I got my wood. The Balasada is happy that his thorny trees became smaller. They're taking now less nourishment. Avil Bitelushin, but if they are already disconnected, which means the owner went through the trouble of cutting them. Because the owner wants this for fuel or for what have you. Then uh, he wants it. Then like. And furthermore, even if they're still connected, that anyone can go take it. Only if they are moist. If they're dried, so with our approach, if the trees dried out, anyways, they're not taking nourishment. So then, and even when it's lach, look how many conditions. The picker cannot uproot the tree. Yes, it's taking nourishment from the ground, and the owner benefits by it being smaller. But the owner also benefits from its wood. So I cannot go ahead and uproot your tree, but if all these conditions are met, if it's in a lach and it's still mechobarim, and I'm not taking it all apart, I'm not taking the whole tree out of the ground, that is where I am allowed to pick to cut some of your wood. Next, Takana. Takana number three. Tanoi, Tanai number three. Umelaktin asavim bechalmakim that I am allowed to pick grass from any other person's field, from any person's field, aside of grass from a field in which you have tilson, fenugreek planted, as we explained, because since fenugreek benefits from the grass, if I'm going to pick your grass, I'm going to be damaging your tilson. For that I have no right. So asks the Gemara, in other words, you're telling me that the Tilson ma'alu la'asavim, that grass is good for Tilson, which is why you can't pick it. Ah, yeah? The fetish a contradiction, he and according now, Mishnah and Kalayim, in Misech the Kalayim, we learn that not only is it also to cross-breed plants together, in other words, to plant two species together, we're not even talking about Kalai HaKedem, which is the biggest dessert, but stop, two species of plants, you can't plant together. More than that, in most cases, if they are already growing together, whether I did it, whether I didn't do it, there is also a mitzvah for me to uproot it. Or in the negative, I'm not allowed to allow them to grow together. So there the Mishnah says that Tilson that if Tilson is growing together with grasses, which is also considered Kalayim, in which I have this negative mitzvah of not being allowed to maintain them together. Here, says the Mishnah, The Chachamim didn't have to tell the owner of the field, uproot the grass. Why? Because since grass is bad for the Tilson, it's almost the opposite from here. Anyways, the owner is going to uproot it. So there was no need to have, you know, a, 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 a legal, a halachic imposition or demand on something which people are going to do anyway. So it's Astida. So here you see from the Mishnah Kalayim that grass is bad for Tilson. In from the Asaratak Tanoim, it comes out grass is good for Tilson. Answers the Gemara, Amaravirmiyolikasha Khan, here meaning here in the Mishnah Kalayim, where grass is bad for Tilson. That is when you planted the Tilson Lizetta for its seeds. 
And the tilson, as he'll explain, is detrimental to the seeds. Khan and the Braisa, in the Tan Rabban and Asara Tanayim, where grass is good for tilson, that's when a person planted the tilson lezidin to eat its stalks. There, grass is good for its stalks, as Rav Yirmiya explains. Lezera kashulas of him. And why is it? Because the makech because it weakens the power of the seeds. Seeds will be less effective when you replant them. Because grass is also taking nourishment from the ground. So the seeds have less nourishment. But lezidin, when you plant them for their stalks, ma'alila, grass is good. Because if you, they are growing amongst grass, they will be able, they will rest, as the stalks of the tilson will rest on the grass. Iba Yisema, another answer, says the Gemara, Khan in the Mishnah, in Kalayim, Again, where it comes out that grass is bad for tilson, that's when you planted the tilson la'adam for people to eat of it. Whatever, if it's a legume or if it's a spice, if you're eating from it, it grass takes nourishment from the ground. So more, the more grass, the less nourishment in the tilson. But Khan, in the Braisa, in the Asara Tanoim, you planted the tilson la'behema. Now don't forget, animals don't only eat tilson, animals eat grass. People don't eat grass, at least not then. It was a whole lesseder. First, don't eat eggs. Then they told us not to drink milk, if you remember. Then they told us not to eat meat, and bread is a chmamash asr. And now they're trying to convince us to have grass. That's the tafshanayin vav, madrega. But here, normal, grass is for animals. So, if I care, tilson and grass, yeah, the grass takes away nourishment from the tilson. But grass is good for, for grass if you're planting it for animals. So you have a whole supper for the animals. You have the tilson with the grass. That's, the, that's good. That's answer. You're saying that the grass is good to have for animals, but our whole point is to why you're allowed to eat the grass. If a person planted, if a person, let's go in the, in the Asada Tanoim, if a person planted a field in order to have food for his animals, yes. in, there, since, true, the grass makes the tilson, let's say, less nutritious, but the grass is valuable in itself, there is where we're not allowed to take it because, you're, because the owner benefits from the grass. Like this, the behemoth can go have the tilson and have the grass. Even the behemoth, who the zara is a He wants to have the grass. Now the question is, how will I know? I'm going to follow the asara tonight. I know that I can pick someone else's grass. However, if that person planted tilson for behemoths, then I can't plant. If he planted the tilson for bnei adam, then I could take the grass. And how would I know? So I'm a papa. Very simple. Shorei mi If the field is planted with an order, you know, there are garden beds, there are, you know, there's, there's patches organized, that is a field that's being planted le'adam. And that will take be the case. Aleph by Kloim. Don't even tell the owner to take off the grass, he'll do it himself. And then another person can take the grass. Because it's not good for the tilson. But loy if it's not planted as garden beds, if it's not an orderly plantation, then you know it was planted. And that's exactly where one cannot take the grass. Number four, the fourth tonight, was vikoitmin netia that anyone can cut off shoots from privately owned trees. Again, not stamped to be mazik a tree. 
I would like to cut a shoot because I want to plant something or I want to graft something so I can take it from anyone's tree. However, we learned chutz as we explained Rashi's explanation that if someone has an olive tree and they already cut it down very low, they only left two fistfuls of height in the stump, which is what's needed for it to regrow. There, if someone is going to take a shoot of that stump, he'll be mazik the stump. But if, in other words, I can take off a shoot if I'm not damaging your tree. So says the Gemara, Perush, or Perushut, to Perushut Atancham Verabirios, in the name of a Zakin Echad, and we're going to learn later at the end of today's shir that the Zakin Echad is Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, not where there's a stump, but the concept that I can only take a shoot off your tree if I'm not going to damage your tree. So there are limits. I can't stomp, rip out a whole branch. So he explained, if I am taking a shoot off a Zayas, not a Zayas that has a stump, a normal olive tree, then I have to leave Kibetza from the shoot that I'm taking off. I can't take it off all the way. I have to leave the amount of an egg on the tree. So like this, that which I leave will regenerate. So again, it's a win-win. I get my shoot. And your tree is just as valuable as before. If I'm taking reeds or vines, then I'm only allowed to take it from the knot and above, which would mean, according to one explanation, if you look good at vines, you'll notice that many branches have what it looks like it bends a little bit. It's called a knot. There is some irregularity in the shoot or in the branch itself. So if I'm cutting it down, I cannot go all the way to the trunk. I have to leave from the trunk until the first pekak. I have to leave that on the tree. Again, it's for the owner to have enough of that branch that it will regenerate. V'shar kol ilanois, and from all other trees, min oivoi shel ilan. Rashi teaches oivoi, oivoi means fruits. Here we don't mean fruits. Oivoi means branches that are like fruits. I cannot take off a hard branch. But the outer branches that are still soft, the branches like a fruit itself, if I take it off, first of all, it's usable to replant. I can use that or to graft. But the tree doesn't get devalued at all. And more than that, even if I'm only taking off from the soft branches, which is called the fruit of the tree, not from the center of the tree, only from the outsides of the tree. And only only a shoot that's new, that does not yet produce fruit. And not from an older shoot, being defined as one that is already producing fruit, a branch that's giving fruit I can't take. And even from the branch that is soft, and it's not from the center, and it doesn't make peiris, only from the side of the tree that doesn't face the sun in any event, which means that even if I were to leave it and eventually it would produce fruit, the fruit wouldn't be so great anyways, turning to the payala from it base. However, I'm speaking it very clear, never from the side of a tree that sees the sun, because the side of the tree that faces the sun properly, eventually when it will produce fruit, the fruits will be great, they'll be sweet, they'll be of good quality. And I can't take those branches. How do we know that the sun affects the quality of the fruits? Shinamar, as it says, quoting a pasik in Zay Sabracha, from what Moshe Rabbeinu told Yosef Atzadik or his Shevet, that Umi Meged Tuvuois Shamesh, with the bounty of the sun's crop. In other words, we are giving credit, so to say, to the sun 
for the crop, for the produce that grows in its rays. Continues the Gemara, according the fifth Tanai, that if you have a newly uh, born spring, a spring that all of a sudden came out of the ground, that that people, the townspeople are allowed to get their water from that spring. Now Rashi spoke out on Amadalev that when Yeshua conquered the land, that was clear. All of the springs is everyone's, the water belongs to everyone. But Yeshua made a Tanai that not only do the current water sources belong to everyone, that if in the future a new spring will emerge, everyone has right, everyone meaning whoever lives in that town has the right to that water. If you own the field, you cannot say, well, that's in my field, it's my water. If it's a spring, it's everyone's water. However, it's a big limitation. In other words, it belongs to the property owner. Eloma, he has to sell it. However, says the that's not what the Takana was. We don't accept his limitation. If you have to pay for it, then what did he accomplish? And as it's not even consistent with all the other Tanaim that we're reading, Pasha doesn't go together. What, what was the first thing? Anyone can pasture their fields and other people's forests. They don't have to pay money for that. I can be Malakid the Eitzim. I can be Malakid the Savin. Every, everything we learned further, anyone can go fishing of a Yamashal Tveria. Not that I have to pay Naftali for the fish. So it doesn't make sense to understand that this fifth Tanai is that people have to pay. This Tanai means that Ataka belongs to everyone. I have to supply that water for all the townspeople. Number six, the one that we started with today with, Umechakin. Anyone can fish, but Mechakin means fishing with a rope, with a string, and a hook. That's the most limited type of fishing. You can hop one fish at a time. Umechakin, the Yamashal Tveria, every Jew, no matter what shevet you're from, can fish in the Sea of Tveria, which means in the Kineris. No one is allowed to spread out a certain type of enclosure, which are nets on poles, because if one will do that, you're going to prevent the ships or the boats from going there, or if boats will go there, it's going to damage the boats. So these types of nets, you cannot spread out. Avol, now we add in the Gemara, Avol Sadhu but you are allowed to fish with certain types of nets. Now the problem is, how do you, how do you understand it? We said oh, the word of Mechakin means you can fish with a line and a hook. Line and a hook is one fish at a time. Here we're adding that you can you can put out nets. As long as the nets are not on poles, as long as if boats go over the nets, the boats don't get damaged, then you could even fish with nets. So is it with a nechakin or is it with nets? So we're going to go with the approach that shave it naftali. They're the ones that can fish. Even members of shave it naftali cannot fish with poles because they're going to damage boats. Members of other shvatim can fish, but they can only use the fishing rod. we learned in But initially, before Yeshua made his tanai, from the outset, they said, that no one should be allowed to put out nets on poles in the Yamshalkin Enes. But in the beginning, they said that Shevet Naftali can put out nets. But they never allowed for other shvatim to fish on the kinetis. So now came Yeshua, 
And he added, again, to be consistent with all the other Tanayim, know that all the Jewish people have the rights to fish in the Kinetis by using what we will call a fishing rod with a string and a hook. We learned in Yom Shel Tveriyam. You should know that the Sea of Tveria, the Kinetis, it was in the portion of Naphtali. And not only was the Sea of Kinetis in their portion, but as we just, let's make the flow go better. As we learned that even before Yahushua, Naphtali had the right to fish there with nets. Now, if you're going to bring nets into the Kinetis, you have to have a certain amount of space on the sea edge, on the beach, to be able to throw, see shore to throw out the nets. That the, the type of length in which you need to be able to properly spread out a fishing net was given to Naftali on the southern shore, even though really that should not have been part of their chalik. But since they have the rights to fish with nets, so they were given that t- space needed. And now the Pasuk is fulfilled that Yom Vidaraim, the sea, and its south is Yerasha, was possessed by Naphtali. Tanya Rabbishimim ben Olazar Oymen. That you should know, Telushim Shebaharim, all of the detached trees, detached trees, Telushim, that are laying on all of the mountains throughout Eretz Yisrael. When we conquered it, says Rab Shimon ben Olazar, belongs to everyone. Because when we entered Eretz Yisrael, and there were a lot of already detached trees, that Shevet cannot say, well, it belongs to our Shevet, it belongs to all the Eden. However, the trees that were attached when we entered Eretz Yisrael, that's that only belongs to that to the tribe in where the mountain was positioned. And don't think that this would create chaos, explains some of the Rishonim. Because when the Yidin knew that all of the detached woods belongs to everyone, so if there would only be detached trees, let's say in the Chelek of Reuven, then all of the Shvatim would be intruding the Chelek of Reuven to gather those trees. So it says the B'raisa ve'en l'chokol shevet v'shevet Yisrael, every tribe who got, we all got a portion in the land of Israel, we didn't get only one type of topography. Every Shevet got Bahar, we got mountains, Ubashvela, and lowlands, Uba Negev. Negev doesn't mean what the word Negev is used to for south or for desert. Negev means open country, open areas. Ube or in valleys, Shinamar as it says, we just had this last week in Parshas Devarim, Pnu, Usulachem, Uvoyu, Harhu Amoidi, Velkol Shechenov, and what, how does the Torah describe this portion of Israel? Ba'arava, Bahar, Ubashvela, Ubanegev, Ubachayfayam, Vigaymer, and Vechenat and the same you find, Beknanim, Ubaprizim, Ubaemoidim, Shalafnaim, that all of the nations that lived in Israel, that they had in their territories, all types of topography, as it says, Velkol Shechenov, Alma, we see Shechenov, Hachihavu. So therefore, going back to the flow, even though everyone was allowed to take all of the Telushim, no one was invading in a detrimental way other people's properties because every Shevet got in their Chalik some mountains, which had some trees. Some of them were Telushim. 
So, you know, people, people basically ended up taking what's in their property anyway, what's in their portion anyway, but really it belonged, the Tulushim belonged to everyone. Number seven, the seventh tonight that we learned was that everyone has the right to relieve themselves behind the, uh, a stone fence. By the way, the behind the stone fence is that that's Hilchas Tnias. But the point is, as we spoke out, even in a field that grows saffron, which has a good odor, and that's because when one went to the bathroom there, it did not permanently take away the, bad, the, the good odor. Fakert, you know, it was like fertilizer. The Chiddush is, the reason why this is of a novelty, it's a Chiddush because El little. That if a, one is going to the bathroom behind a, a stone fence, the toilet paper of then was stones. That they would be allowed to take a stone off the fence. Ah, now that's like a chiddush. Let's go to a greater chiddush. Now obviously, chilul Shabbos is never permissible. But let's chazer some hilchas Shabbos. Mekalkel b'Shabbos is putter. Putter meaning your putter midoyer aisa. Normally, an act of kilkel is asur midrabanan. Chedeshir for kavod abriyos. There isn't this rabbinic law, and you could take it even on Shabbos. Marzutra chasida. Chasida means someone. Here we have chasida walked in. Chasida means that lefnim sadin. What's lefnim sadin? That shakil that he took the stones, which he was allowed to do because of the tnai of Yeshua, but after he used it, umahadar he put it back. And not only that, not only did he put it back, but he told his Mishadis, he told his helper, that with the parentheses, Lamachir, or with the Marashal doesn't have that version, that he told his helper, Zil, Shiri, Kihu, go and cement it in. In other words, not only did he replace it, but don't forget that he detached it. After Shabbos, he had it replaced the way he took it, but that was Lefnim Yishur Sadin because Lefi, Tanai Yoshua, you had the right to take it, and you didn't even have to put it back. Number eight was that one is allowed to walk in what's called the permissible paths. Like Rashi explained, most field owners during the times of the year that having the public walk through their field will not damage the field. They allowed the they allowed the public, the chevra, the community to walk through on those paths. So Yoshua made a takana that even if you as a yachid, you're stingy. Even though you don't lose anything, you don't want anyone to use your property, everyone has the right to walk through those paths, but that's only if it doesn't damage your plantations, which will be until the second rain in the earlier rain seasons. Again, we spoke out in, in Tainas, there are three dates for that. One, you know, the mid, I think it was 7, 17, and 23. And let's go with the, with the opinion that the Revia Shaniya is the 17th of Mar Cheshvin. After that, once the produce begins to sprout, people trampling upon it will damage it, then you can't walk on it. Omar Papa says, Rapapa, Vahai Didan, meaning, what about us in Bavel? And as we will see in the next piece of Gemara, that many of the Amaroim extended these Takanas to Bavel. Which means, number one, that just like everyone was allowed to walk through other people's fields as a shortcut, if it doesn't damage the produce that was allowed in Israel, they, they applied that in Bavel. The concept was applied to Bavel, which is, I cannot walk if it's going to damage. But the, Pasha, the land in Bavel is different than Eretz Yisrael. So Rav Papa said that by us, 
Afilu tal kashila, that when dew is still, the moisture of the morning, the dew is still on the field, even before the Revia Shania, whatever the date was in Bavel, when people walk on the fields, it would damage the produce. So you can walk in it, but not when there's dew on it. The Chiddush is, as we'll see in the next piece, that it applies to Bavel, the concepts apply to Bavel, but the practical application is not the same. You can walk if it doesn't do damage, whatever damage would be in Bavel. Number nine, that when people are walking on the roads, and the roads have, as we said, because of the rain season, because of the snow season, the roads became uneven. And if it's difficult to walk on the road, then everyone has the right to walk on the sides of the roads, even if they're walking on other people's private property. Now here, they're walking mamish on the edges of the private property, but they are allowed to do it. And now we're going to go to a story that happened in Bavel. But again, as we just spoke out, these dinim were extended to bubbles. Says the Gemara, Shmuel that Rav Yehuda have a koshakli, have a shakli va'azli ba'urcha. They were walking on the road in. Shmuel was in Arda, right in Bavel. Have a mistalik Shmuel litzidei hadrachim. The road became bumpy. It became difficult to walk on. So Shmuel went on the sides. Amalei Rav Yehuda. So Rav Yehuda asked him, Tanoim shehisno Yoshua filo be'bavel. Do we apply? The Tanai Yeshua in Bavel, Amalei. So Shmuel says yes, and not only in Bavel. Sha'ani Yomer, it is my opinion. Afilu b'chutz l'aretz, avad in Bavel. Wherever there's a Yishuv of Yidin, we take the rules of Yeshua and we apply it there as well. Lochayda, all of them. In other words, you have heard the concept. On one hand, private property is private property, but there's going to be certain scenarios where where you do what's better for the for the group, for the community. Even on the account of, but listen, we learned so many limits to Tanai Yeshua. Etaka doesn't damage. It's like Mamim Shbida Sdoim, almost not to give in to it. I'm not losing anything if you take a shoot, if you take a grass, if you take off a shrub that's prickly. In all of these uh, limit, limited scenarios, then you're allowed to do it. Now another story. Says the Gemara that Rebbe and Abchia. Wow, look at this. Now, Rabbi and Abchia were talking about uh, Tveria, Eretz Yisrael. Have a shakli, v'ozli, v'urcha, they were going on the, on, the, on the road. And again, what happened was, the road was difficult, it was, there were pegs in the road, it was bumpy. So we stalko, let's see, they had rachem, they started to walk on the sides. Now, have a komafsia v'ozl, the word mafsia means big steps. The word mafsia implies that in front of them was one of their talmidim, called Rabbi Yehuda ben Kenusa, and he was taking big steps. That's because he did not go on the sides of the road. He was walking on the bumpy road. So whenever there was a bump or a peg, he needed to jump over it. So they saw that he is not relying on the hetid of Yeshua. He's walking, he's walking on the road. In front of them. Now, he didn't see them necessarily. But they saw him, Rabbi and Rabchia saw Rabbi Yehuda ben Kenusa. So Amalei Rabbi Lerabchia, me who's Who is that person in front of us that Rashi says that is showing off that he is a chassid, Mexican He's behaving beyond the letter of the law. He's not relying on the heter of Yeshua, and we are, and he's not. So Amalei Rabchia, Rabchia felt that Rabbi is starting to get nervous with him. And he didn't want that person, God forbid, to get a kpeder from Rebbe. So he, he said, you know, maybe it's Rabbi Yehuda ben Kenusa. It happened to be him. But Rabbi Chia says, if it's him, I want you to know that Talmidi who, he's my student. 
and v'chol ma'isav l'shem shemayim. He's not a mechzeke yuara. He's not showing off that he's on a level that he's really not. He's taka chassid. Don't get upset with him. And Timotu Lagabe, when they came to him, they caught up to him. Chazie, they saw that it's taka him. So Amalei, Rebbe tells Rebbe Yehudim and Kenusa, Elav Yehudim and Kenusa hat, Yishu, you're lucky. If you would not be you, is gizartinu l'shakach. I would have split your leg open, begizra the parzala with an iron club. Would have busted your legs, says Rashi, chas v'sholem, to take those words literally. What Rebbe said is, I would have put you in a chedim. Because when a person is put with a chedim, they can't walk amongst the people. So the legs are damaged. And he would have put him into a chedim. Here's the source that there are times, good for you, you're going to listen to Mishura Sadin. There are other times that if everyone relies on a heter, and you want to go, Mexico, you're am frumer than everyone else, there are times that that attitude is uncalled for. Let's go right there. The number 10, if we count the way we counted, if someone gets lost in between a vineyard, and as we explained, even if they can walk their steps back and walk around the vineyard, they don't have to do that. They can get out of their lost place by cutting their way out of the field. Obviously, they're damaging the produce. They have to pay for it. Here, they have to pay for it. But they're allowed to do it. They can cut down and cut up. Cut your way out. If you see your friend that's lost in a vineyard, you can save your friend by you cutting your way in to get him and your way out or going back on the same path to take him out. Until you get him to the city or to the main road. And V'cheim says in the B'raiso, If you yourself are lost, why did the Braisa give two cases? What's the, what difference is there? If you can save someone else, you can save yourself. Says the Gemara, no, it's a Chiddush. You would think, when your friend is the one that's lost, you know how to get him out. You think about it, it's Gavaldic. If I know someone is lost, I know where he is, I know where the road is. Even if I'm cutting through that field, the example is a vineyard, to make a new path for him, I'm doing very limited damage because I know where he is, I know where the road is. I'm not lost, my friend is lost. The I, the rescuer, know exactly where I have to take him to. There, the Yeshua, Tanai Yeshua was, the Nifzik that I can cut through the field, but if I'm the one that's lost, and I'm the one that have to rescue myself, the likelihood will be that my damage will be much more. I don't know where I'm going. That I should not have that permission. Now, the Gemara has to clarify. One second. If there is no other way of me getting out other than cutting through the field, what should I do? Should I die there? No, there's always another option of going back where I came from, means there's different madregas in getting lost. Some people are lost, they don't know where they came from. But even if there is an option of you going back, and you're coming out in the wrong side, and then you're needing to walk all the way around, you can do that. You won't be mazik other people's produce. So you would have thought you would demand the person to do it. Now, go back to where you came from, and then walk around the vineyard bay mitzri on the perimeter of the border. So Kamash Mulanda but I saw that no, that if I'm going to that city and the city is ahead of me, I can cut my way through the field. 
Frek the Gemara, one second. What's the novelty of Yeshua? That if I find someone who's lost, I'm allowed to rescue them by cutting through someone else's vineyard. I am obligated to rescue someone who's lost. The Tanya that it says, the Tanya we learned, where do you know that returning a lost person? is also part of the mitzvah of HaShavah Saveda. HaShavah Saveda normally means if someone has an article, if you find a thing that's lost, return it to its owner. What happens if you find a person who's lost? Shikas Rabbeinu, the whole reaching out and helping Yidin find their way back. How do you know that that's part of the mitzvah of HaShavah Saveda? Returning a lost person, Talmud Lamed, it says, V'hashivoy soy, him, return him, the vav at the end implies that Doiraisa. So the question is, why do we need a b'raisa? Of course I can save a person who's lost. Answers the Gemara, Yeah, of course you can save a person. But who says you can save a person on the account of someone else? If there is an option of taking that lost person back where he started out from, without damaging the field, and then allowing him to walk all the way around the parameter of the vineyard, you would think you have to do it that way. So also who? So came Yeshua and talking, he made a takana. The mafasik vayilu mafasik Someone is lost. Make it easier to find his way back, even if it damages someone else's property. So you can get out of your state of being lost without doing any damage. But we're saying you don't have to do that. You can do damage. But you have to pay. But you have to pay. But here you have to pay. So when the Gemara had before the Amoira that said by the by the spring that you have to pay, and the Gemara says v'leis hilchas akavase, here you have to pay. That we're going with that approach. And the chiddush is that is that the, you know you have the right to save yourself. You have to understand also. I mean, there's two. You're you're panicky in there. We're city boys. We don't know what it means. But imagine you're in a field and the stalks, whatever it is, is higher than you, and you're lost in there. So here, you know, you have the right to take a knife and cut your way out, and then deal with the damages later. You don't have to be worried now about the property of someone else. Now, which was really the 11th that we read, that an unattended body, we don't know who the relatives are, the finder has the great mitzvah of burying that person, even if the finder is a kayan, where do you bury the person? We spoke out before Shitas Rambam, if the person is in the city, take him to the cemetery. But if the person is out of the city, and if the finder would have to take him to a cemetery, it makes it more difficult, Yeshua was afraid he's going to just leave the body there. So to make sure that that person will get buried, where the person is found there, he's buried. Frek the Gemara I have a contradiction. We learned in Abraisa, if you find a person laying, not living, on a road, so the Abraisa says, you don't bury him in the road. You have to take him to the side of the road. Now the side of the road, the road is public property. The sides of the roads means you're going into someone else's private property. Now if you have to go to the right or to the left, what happens, says the Braisa, on one side you have a stay bur, you have a empty field. On the other side you have a stay near, you have a, you have a um, plowed field. So where should you bury it? Says the Braisa, Choose the place where you're doing less damage to that owner. Now really, if you think about it, if they're owned by different people, each one claims the other place is better for me. But your objective, so bury him in the place where you're doing the least damage. If you have to choose between stay near or stay zera, one field was plowed, one field was already planted. So then says the Braisa, stay near. 
bury that person in the in the edge of the stay near. At least you're not damaging something that was planted. Hoyu shteim burois or shteim nirois or shteim zerois. If they're both the same, the finder gets to pick which field. Bottom line is, is you don't bury him where you find him. You don't bury him on the road. Our Tanurabanan says that that kainim akaymai answers the Gemara. Amar Abibi, ah, the mutalala meitzar. One second. If a person is laying on a narrow path, of course you cannot bury him on the road. What everyone is going to go on the road will become Tamei Lameis. When there is a very large road and you found him on the side, you bury him on the road. But if you cannot bury him on the road because it's a narrow road and he's laying to the width and you have to take him to the side, since you have to take him away, again, you get to pick which side you want to take it to if they are both equal. That's the Brai saw. That's the problem. That's the problem we have here. But it was, it was in a narrow place of the road. So all the big highways, they're very wide and sometimes they get narrow. That's what it must mean. Now, Frick. Yeah. If it's not going to destroy, you have to mark the place so people should not go on top of it. But if, if they can go around it on the road, then you bury the person on the road. Now there comes the, finally the question. If you count the numbers in the Brice, there's 11. So how many they asked? Asara. What kind of Asara to know him? Hani Chatzrei Havi, and there are 11. Answers the Gemara that what we counted as number 8, it's true, but it's not from Yeshua. That Mahalchin Bishvilei Horashus. That was made by Shleim HaMelech, Shleim HaAmram. No, it's again the way Rashi touched that most people allowed others to walk through paths shortcutting their fields when it doesn't damage the produce. There were certain stingy Yechidim. Even though Zenehen of Chaser, you can't walk on my property. Shleim HaMelech was the one that says everyone has the right to do so. like we learned in Hebraisa. If someone's fruit is already, a, you already gathered, you picked the fruit, you harvested the fruit. And still the person doesn't allow anyone to go in their fields. So says the Olav. What will people speak of? What will people say? What benefit does he have that no one goes through his fields? What type of property damage is he preventing? Nothing. No one is hurting him. On him it says in the verse. Now we're quoting a verse that it doesn't say. And look at this quote. When you can be good, don't be called bad. So Yeah, find me such a verse in Tanakh. There's no such a verse. So answers the Gemara in. These words are not written. When you can be called good, when you can be good, don't be called bad. But there's a passage that implies this idea, which is, Al, I'm quoting a pasuk in Mishlei. Al timna toiv miba'olav. Do not withhold good from its rightful recipients. Bihi yoisele el yotcha laasoyz. When you have the power to do good, when you have the power to do good, don't withhold the good. Okay, so now that's takana shleima. So even though the brayse put it together, we only have ten to know him from Yeshua. Now comes the Gemara and asks. Let's see if we can finish the sugya. There's ten. I'll tell you right now four more. From your Yeshua, the Suleke, the Haika. Number one, we find this from Rabbi Yehuda. The time we learned in Abraham, said, Rabbi Yehuda says that Bishas, that during the time that people start taking out 
fertilizer to fertilize the fields. Adam might see Zivloy, a person is allowed to take out from his property his refuse to the public domain. We learned this together, Chavrem. Why would you do that? Let's to heap it 30 days because there are certain types of raw material of fertilizer that the more people trample on it, the more powerful it gets. So you do that. I, the guy who's trampling, doesn't necessarily like under his shoes. So that's only we learned in my Shamim, people who had muddy shoes anyways. So it should be trampled. I, again, who says I agree? That was one of the stipulations that he made. This is something that might be to the detriment of the individual, but it's to the benefit of the collective. So that's another takana. And now we're going to learn from Rabbi Yishmael Benoi, another three. So altogether four. The time we learned, Rabbi Yishmael Benoi, Tanai based in who, and we'll see Tanai based in his Yeshua, that she is a that one person has the right to invade on his neighbor's property. The Kreitzes Soichai to cut off a large branch shall chaveroi when to save his beehive. If I have a beehive and my bees made a shidduch with your branch, one bee went to your branch, another bee went to your branch, a branch is more attractive than a beehive. And I'm noticing that all my bees are going to your branch, I'm going to lose my whole beehive. So I have the right to cut off your branch. I have to pay you. But I have the right to cut it off to make sure that I don't lose my beehive. And I have to pay you. But the fact that I have the right to do it, that's another tonight of Yeshua. And another one from Rabbi Shmuel. Which is, if two people have a barrel. I have a barrel of wine, you have a barrel of honey. Honey is more valuable than wine. If the barrel of honey cracked before your mafkir, your honey, the owner of the honey can demand on the owner of the wine, pour out your wine, use your barrel to save my honey, I'll pay you for the wine. And you'll have taka because the honey is worth more than the wine. But if not for this takana, you cannot force me to do that. And if I did it on my own, many of the Rishonim say, you don't have to pay for my wine, you have, to pay me. you have to pay for rent of the barrel, you have to maybe pay for the labor, but not for the wine. Here, the dinners that I can impose it on you. Just the wine. Yeah, just the wine. Yeah, and the labor. No, no, but even though it's your the one that was carrying the wood, the donkey that's carrying the, um, the flax died. So the, he can impose on the wood donkey, you lose your wood. And the donkey should be used for my flax, and I'll pay you for the wood. But you have to do it. So bottom line is, we had four takanas, one from Rabbi Huda, three from Rabbi Shmuel, and one from And why did we only say ten? Answers the Gemara be Yichidoy Eloi Komrinon. A Tanai that is only Das Rabbi Yehuda, or the other three that's only the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel, Benoi, that's not what we're quoting. We started out today with a Braise that's quoting everyone's opinion. Let's try to finish this. That's Pebez. I, Frek, the Gemara of Ahaki Yasser when Oven came from Eretz Yisrael, he brought with us Shitas Rabbi Yechanon. That said, another Tanai, 
And here it's not das yachid. That echad ilan hanoit lotech sadeich That whether my tree is going over your property, or if my tree was planted near your fence, and as we'll learn another time, that a tree draws nourishment from the ground, not only beneath the trunk, 16 amas perimeter. And if I planted a tree near you, the border of my friend, it's also getting nourishment from my friend's property. If my branch is leaning over your field, some of the nourishment is coming from your property. And there, the issue is not whether it's Geneva or not. The question is, if I, I'm going to bring Bikurim, Machlek is from what fruits, but when I bring Bikurim, I have to say that the Neish is Satoli. So there's a machlekes between Amaraim, whether you can make that declaration. So Rabbi Echnen was of the opinion, Ula disagrees. Rabbi Echnen holds, maybe, not only does the owner of the tree bring the fruit, but he can read the words of Bikurim, even though it's not exactly Ashenosatali because there is something not kosher involved. These fruits are not only coming from my land. Shalmanaskin, Hinchal Yeshua, these are also Aritz. So, Baiter, so we have another. Tanai Yeshua answers the Gemara to clarify everything. This goes back to all of the questions. Eloman Tana Saratanoim Shehisnu Yeshua. When we started yesterday, today Chazering Tana Rabbanon. It's not a Tana Rabbanon. It's not a Brisa. It's an Amaira. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was the one that said it. Now it's a lot better because this Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi he argues with Rabbi Echanan. He doesn't hold that you can read it. And, and as the Rishayim speak out, Rabbi Shua ben Levi did not need to repeat something that Rabbi Yehuda already said, or that Rabbi Shmuel Benoi said. He is telling us dinim that no one knew before. Ah, what did people not know? The ten. And then he added Nach the eleventh of Shleimah Hamelach. And now the Gemara is going to substantiate that because Rabbi Gevion from the place called Bay Castle, Mastan La he learned it clearly that it's not a Tan Rabbanon, that the ten Tanaim is. A memra of a amoira that Rav Tamchum verabirios Omri in the name of an elder Umanu Rabbi Shua ben Levi asara tonoim hisna Yoshua. Fantastic to be continued.